Uh, it is I, Sarah, and you're listening to my podcast. And that's true. Uh, that feels crazy to say, but here we are back with episode two. So welcome or welcome back if you listen to my first episode. And I want to give a special thanks to every single one of you who did listen to the first episode and especially to those who responded to it and reached out to me and told me how it is that the Lord spoke to you through that message um, and basically just shared testimony with me. Um, you have, you seriously have no idea how much that blesses me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to do something similar for this episode. I have another message for you. Um, and what it's going to be is somewhat a continuation, or I guess I'm going to expand on, um, one specific point that I had made in my previous sermon episode titled how to believe God for what it is you desire. And one of the points that I had made in that message was if you want something from God, you should want it for him too. And so I want to talk a little bit more about, um, why that is and, uh, and and just kind of explain that a little more thoroughly. And the answer is very simple, but we're, we're going to take the long route to get there. Before I jump right into it, though, first, I just want to let you know that I have had a lot, a lot, a lot of reflection time recently. And what a good bit of that reflection time looks like is just me being stunned and overwhelmed, uh, really, with the fact that I am in a completely different place than I was in even just a year ago. Um, a year ago, I was severely anxious and depressed. I remember this very time last year, waking up every morning in sorrow and going to bed the same way. And I just, I mean, thank God for the friends, um, that he had positioned to care for me in that time because they will attest, um, I was wrecked, but a year later, the Lord has turned it all around and has done so much work through me and, and in me and in my life. Um, and I'm just amazed and so blessed and so grateful um, that he's done that. I get so, um, just so amazed that I even become perplexed at times. That's how big of a difference it it, it is. I'm like, uh, why would you do that, God? Like, why would you do that for me? Um, wh- who am I to deserve what it is you've done? Because um, if you knew the whole story, and I'm not just talking about like the season of life I was in last year, but if you just knew my whole story, I, without God, would not be, would not be sitting here recording this um, or doing any of the things I'm doing. Um and it's just, it's just amazing. It's really amazing what the Lord will do for you. So, um, no more talking about me. We're going to talk about the word of God and our reading. We're going to, we're going to read out of second Samuel, second Samuel chapter seven. I will read it to you. This is the Lord's covenant with David. It says, now when the king lived in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan, the prophet, 
See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, go do all that is in your heart for the Lord is with you. So King David is sitting in his home and it says that his home is made of cedar, which basically means that it's a luxurious home. It's very nice. Uh, I mean, he is the king after all. And what he notices is that he is sitting in his nice home, very peaceful, um, separated from, from his enemies, protected from his enemies. Yet he notices that the Lord is dwelling in a tent. And what he's referring to is the Ark of the Covenant, which is um, at this time where the Lord's presence was dwelling. And um, he says he consults his friend, the prophet Nathan, and Nathan advises him to go do all that is in his heart. And so we're going to find out exactly what, what it is that was on David's heart. Um, picking up at verse four, but that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, go and tell my servant, David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I've been moving about in a tent for my dwelling in all places where I have moved with all the people of Israel. Did, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? So the Lord wants to get a message to David asking, you want to build me a house? Um, well, I've, I've been dwelling in this tent and going about my business in this tent all this time. And have I yet asked for a house, basically? In other words, he's saying, I don't need your house. I don't need you to build me a house. Um, my will's going to get done just fine without you building my house. And that is something to realize is that the Lord will accomplish what the Lord will accomplish with or without you. And you can allow that to discourage you, but let me, let me encourage you to allow that to encourage you actually. Um, because that means that you, you have the option to participate and that is significant and that is a blessing and that is a gift. And we will get into that further as I get deeper into this message, but recognize this, that the Lord will accomplish his will with or without your service to him, with or without your participation. Um, and he, he basically has proven this in, in this first part of his message that he wants to get to David. So let's see uh, what, what else the Lord is going to say to David. I'm picking up in verse eight. It says, now, therefore, thus you shall, thus you shall say to my servant, David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. 
I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Oh my God. So David is is saying to the Lord, I want to build you a house. And the Lord is like, you want to build me a house? David, I want to build you a house. I want to make a name for you. And my neighbors have started to cut their grass. Um, so I hope that the mic isn't picking that up, but if it is, I am so sorry. As I was saying, um, the Lord wants to build David a house, David a name. He says that he's going to establish his kingdom forever. And that's not all he says. He, The Lord says so much in this one message to David. It blows my mind. Um, so first of all, he first he promises David a full life. He says, um, when your days are fulfilled, verse 12, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down, with your fathers, uh, in other words, your ancestors. Um, so first he promises David a full life. David's life is full of promise. He has a future going out from this moment. Um, and then he says he's going to raise up his offspring. And from his offspring, the Lord is going to establish his kingdom forever. Um, now a, <laughs> a much more well-studied theologian, uh, which is not me, would tell you that this covenant, this promise is ultimately pointing to Jesus Christ. And that is correct. This promise that the Lord is giving David is basically saying that um, Jesus is going to come from David's line. And uh, we know that this promise is true and that the Lord did not lie because Jesus Christ did in fact come. And this covenant was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ when Jesus stepped on the scene. But, but David didn't know that David didn't know Jesus or what was going to happen. And so what is, what is so, 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 so critical to realize about that part of this promise is that David wouldn't even see the promise completely fulfilled in his own lifetime. And uh, we're going we're gonna to touch more on that later. But that's one thing. The other thing is, why David? It says, let me pull it up again. It says actually even before that, it says, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep that you should be prince over my people Israel. Um, so David was a shepherd, shepherd's boy, a shepherd boy. I don't know. He, he shepherded things, sheep, I'm assuming. I, I know, sheep. Um, which, what does that mean? Basically, that means that David was not special. He was just an ordinary guy, probably lower class, nothing special about him. Um, but the Lord chose him to be king over his people, not only to be king over his people, but to be, to be the starting point from which the Lord would establish his kingdom forever. 
so a, a, another thing, another crazy thing that the Lord says um, is that the king is going to come from David's offspring. And this is all, this is unprecedented in Israel's history because a um, king's son in Israel's history had never succeeded him um, up until this point. And so not only is the Lord doing this with David, he's doing something completely new, something completely unprecedented with David, who was a shepherd boy. And who was like, who was David to be chosen? Um, well, if you know anything about the book of Samuel, which, uh, in the original text, I believe was one book, but in our Bibles, it's split into two. The overarching theme of Samuel, the book of Samuel is that the Lord opposes the proud and favors the humble. So before King David was King Saul. And if you remember from my first sermon, we talked about Samuel and the birth of Samuel. We didn't talk about Samuel, but we, uh, we talked about his mother, Hannah. And then, um, you know, within that story, Samuel was born. Well, Samuel was, um, the lead prophet priest in Israel. And he was, he was leading the people, in Israel. And at some point the people of Israel asked Samuel for a king because they were like, all the other nations have Kings. We would like a King, please. And Samuel confronts, consults God. God is like, they've got the wrong motivations, but go ahead, give them a King. And who, who becomes King is this man named Saul, King Saul. And King Saul was chosen because he looked the part basically. Um, but he had huge, huge, uh, character flaws and, and huge moral failings during his time as king. And so ultimately he was fired. Um, and, and King David rose to power. And so David was chosen, um, actually, because if you know the story of David and Goliath, a lot of people know that story, even non-believers know that story. Um, David was chosen on account of the hum, the humble trust his humility, his trust and faithfulness to God in the story of David and Goliath. And so the Lord had, had brought low the proud that was King Saul and exalted the humble that is now King David. That's, that's just a lot of information, but let's, um, let's, let's consolidate a little bit. So number one, the Lord here chooses David. He, he brings him from the pasture to the throne on account of his humility and his faith. Number two, he promises David a full life. Number three, he, he promises to do something unprecedented with David, and he is going to establish his kingdom forever through David. And number four, um, David is not actually going to see the promise completely fulfilled in his lifetime. And so these are all the things I want you to hold in mind. And, uh, before I give you my little, like that, that, that my little, like three points of like three main keys of this message, um, we're going to read David's response to the Lord's message to him. I'm going to pick up at verse 18. This is David's prayer of gratitude. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, who am I? O Lord God. And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And yet 
this was a small thing in your eyes, O Lord God. You have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come, and this is instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? Okay, it is a little annoying that he <laughs> refers to himself in the third person, but we're just going to look past that. For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all this greatness to make your servant know it. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you and there is no God beside you according to all that we have heard with our ears. I'm going to skip down a little bit to um, verse 25. And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house and do as you have spoken. And your name will be magnified forever, saying the Lord of hosts is God over Israel and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. So the answer to the question about my main point in my last sermon, uh, not my main point, but one of the, the, the main points of my last sermon, if you want something from God, you should want it for him too. Well, why? The answer has nothing to do with who you are, but the answer is simply because of who he is. Because of who he is. Point blank. Um, before I say any more, um, I mean, before like I preach anymore and yell at you anymore, I want to read more because it, ju- it just gets so good. I'm going to skip down a bit to... Um, Verse 25, it says, And now, O Lord God, confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, and do as you have spoken. And your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God over Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God and your your words are true and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may continue forever before you. For you, O Lord God, have spoken and with your blessing shall the house of your servant be blessed forever. Okay, so even though uh, we kind of found the answer and confirmed the answer to the first question of um, why is it if you want something from God, you should want it for him too. Um, please stick with me because this blessed me and this is going to bless you so much once you really grab a hold of this and understand this. Not only is the Lord great, but he is so loving. He is so intimate with his people and, and offers that to his people. Um, this part of David's response is David receiving the promise and it is just, it is just so glorious. It is so encouraging. It is so 
like attractive, like you feel drawn to the Lord by hearing David's reception of this promise. And it is just a blessing that the Lord has provided this in his word. So David receives this promise clearly. He says, yes. Uh, Verse 25, confirm forever the word you have spoken concerning me and concerning my house and do as you have spoken. In other words, I'll allow it. Uh, and, and do as you have spoken and your name will be magnified forever. So do it, do as you have said, God, and have all the glory. Uh, I'm of course paraphrasing down to 27 for you have made this revelation to me that I will build you a house. Therefore I have found courage to pray this prayer to you. So a word from God David heard God and a word from God is what gave him the courage to, to say yes to this. Um, if the Lord had not placed this desire in David's heart, would he have gone through with this promise? Would he have, you know, would he even know what he was participating in? And could he have even said yes? He could not have, he couldn't even have said yes if he hadn't received the promise first. And so David receives the word from God and, and he finds courage to say yes to God, to say, yes, do this, do this through me. And so it's by hearing the word of God that David is given courage to then place a demand on God. And so if you've ever heard from God and you want to say yes, then, then you are free to declare a thing. You are free. If you have read it in this word, if you have heard it by his Holy Spirit, which let me tell you for that, you got to have a trained ear to the Holy Spirit. You got to have trained faith and you have to know the word. Um, cause people, people do get mixed up the things they hear from the Holy Spirit and some not so Holy Spirits and just their stupid selves. Honestly, um, I've been there. Um, but if you've heard a word from God and you know that it will bring him glory and you can find it backed by his word, which is this book, the manual, the Bible, then you can place that demand on him. You have found courage to declare a thing is what I'm saying. Um, and that is just, again, it's just, that changes the way you pray that changed the way I pray. And so just thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you have included that in your word and demonstrated that for us through your servant, David. And what's, what's even more is verse 29. Now, therefore, may it please you to bless the house of your servant so that it may, so that it may continue forever before you. God, may it please you to bless me. It pleases the Lord to bless his people, to bless his servant, to bless his son, to bless his daughter. It pleases the Lord to bless you. Um, so my first point is what does God want for you? God wants good things for you. And people, people don't understand that people get that mixed up. Um, God wants good things for you. How would he get the glory otherwise? So just stop believing that God is after you to make you miserable. You've got, um, you've got entities mixed up. That's Satan, the enemy. Um, everyone knows the verses. 
if God is for you, what can be against you? God wants to give you a hope and a future. We know that in all things, God works everything together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. And I am not reading these. I'm just pulling them from my memory, which is terrible. So they're not word for word, but they capture the same, uh, same essence. And, and those are all true. Those are all true things. But do you understand the magnitude of good he wants for you? Because that's too easily underestimated by people of God, by people not of God. They don't understand, one, that God wants good things for you and, and how good he wants it to be for you. What God offered David was an eternal impact, an eternal impact. That's huge, huge. He offered David buy-in, stock in his kingdom. The God of the heavens and the earth offered David buy-in to his kingdom. An eternal impact. And something to know is and this is in scripture that God shows no favorites. Acts 10:34. God shows no partiality. He has no favorites. So what God did for David, he will do for you. In this very scripture, 2 Samuel 7, 28 and 29. Um, oh Lord God, you are God and your words are true and you have promised this good thing to your servant. Now therefore may it please you to bless the house of your servant. He promises good things and it pleases him to bless his servant. And what he does for one, he will do for another. But your walk is going to look different. Um, I promise you that. Unlike David, Jesus Christ is not going to come of your seed. But Jesus Christ has already come and he's opened all doors for you. Jesus, uh, in his mercy and his grace and his love for you, has has given you access to God whose kingdom is infinite and eternal. So God has done his part and will continue to do his part and you get to do yours. And how is it that you get to do that? It is only through a relationship with Jesus. Um, so your faith has to be in him, but Jesus has opened all doors. And again, God shows no favorite. So he has blessed his people. He has shown a history of blessing his people. And if you are his people, it will please him to bless you. And maybe you don't know what that's going to look like yet, but that is, that's important too. Um, because, and I, I don't have time to, to expand too much on this, but if the Lord had told me specifically in advance, the things that he would do for me and the, the route that it would take and how he would accomplish that. I don't know that I would have signed off on it. If he had told me in advance specifically, this is what you'll have. This is how I'll bless you. I can tell you looking in hindsight, I'm so, I'm so grateful. I'm so blessed of what he's done in my life. Um, but when you're in the midst of it, it's, <laughs> uh, you don't know if you'd want to sign off on it. Okay. And that's why it's important to remember my second point. Point number two is that you don't know what you're taking part in. And 
you have a choice to allow that to discourage you or to scare you, but that's not what the Lord has for you. That, that is not what the Lord has for you. He does not offer you uh, fear, but he offers you peace. And he also offers you a great promise and great blessing. Like we see him offer David. And so you don't know what you're taking part in. Don't allow that to stop you. And why I'm making this a, a second point that you don't know what you're taking part in is, is because, is because I'm stumbling over my words, but is because I want to reiterate. And this is something I'll always preach is that you need you need to be strong in your faith. You need to train your faith because, because you don't know what you're taking part in. Your faith is going to be your sight. So what you see around you in, in the natural, it will, it will try to get you to doubt your faith. It will try to get you to doubt this word, this promise that the Lord has given you. And so you need to train your faith because you don't know what you're taking part in. Another thing is, under this point, is you may feel like your life is significant or is insignificant. <laughs> you might feel like your life is insignificant, um, that the things you do don't really matter. And in one sense, people believe this because they think they're just too ordinary or they lack what it takes. Well, to those people, I would just remind you from this scripture that God wants to take you from the pasture to the throne like he did for David. Um, and then there's the other camp of people who believe that what they do doesn't matter because I don't know, low self-esteem, um, or they think that everything is relative and they're just this piece of dust floating in space and their actions really have no influence on the world. Well, let this be a warning and encouragement that they do. Again, remember that David wouldn't even see the promises completely fulfilled in his own lifetime. So you don't even know the full scope of your influence on the people around you of your influence in the world. David's part was big. It was huge. It, it was through his offspring that the Lord was going to usher in his eternal kingdom through Jesus Christ. His part was big, but his part was also small because he, he was just instructed to commit himself to his own lifetime. Um, and he wouldn't even see the ultimate result of this promise. He would see it. He would see parts of it. Um, but he wouldn't even see it completely fulfilled. He wouldn't even get to hold his great, you know, after making his whole life about Jesus, he wasn't even going to hold his great, great, we'll just say his, his greatest grandbaby, uh, greatest cause it was Jesus. And, uh, I don't actually know how many generations are between David and Jesus, but I think you get my point. Also, if you're receiving a promise from God, you don't know what you're taking part in. Really? You don't even know the full scope of your influence. Um, and therefore point number three, your part, you have to do your part. And that is to trust and to obey David's assignment was to remain abiding in relationship with the Lord. He did this not for his own glory or for his own power, not to make himself more famous. No, but because he knew, and we know that he knew this because this is what he said in response to God, um, was that he, he did this to make the Lord more famous, to make the Lord 
more known, to bless the Lord, to worship and honor the Lord. And you know what? It's because David realized at this point, this is post David and Goliath. Uh, David realized that true joy, true life comes from being in relationship with the Lord, from loving the Lord. And it is through Jesus Christ that we are offered this relationship with God. And it's in him that we find joy and we have access to all of the blessings and riches in heaven. Um, what's the scripture? John 1 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of man, but of God. You are given the right to become God's child through Jesus. Um, and it's through him that you have access to the father and, and get to buy into his kingdom. Be careful though. You, you can't fool God. Uh, people think they can fool God. You can act like you love God, or you can try to have perfect behavior to earn this access. Um, but let me warn you, God ain't your sugar daddy. No, 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 no. He's sky daddy. <laughs> He's, I'm just kidding. Um, if you're one of those people who refers to the Lord as sky daddy, you're rebuked and please stop. Um, but for real though, God's not your sugar daddy. Um, he's not after you putting up an act. He's not after your performance for him. He is in fact after your real heart. And so if you're expect expecting the promises of God to manifest a buzzword, uh, in today, in today's, uh, world, it, if you're expecting things to manifest, things that the Lord promises to manifest in your life without your heart connected to Jesus Christ, which is a spiritual relationship, I am warning you that you're setting yourself up for trouble. And people do that. They speak out of their mouths that they quote, that they, you know, they believe in God. They believe there's a God, that they love God. They put in their bios, hashtag God first, whatever. Um, but the words they say, and the words you say are important because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, uh, the words they say and the fruit of their life, um, the fruit that their life produces proves otherwise. So you ain't fooling me and you're especially not fooling God. So if that's you take a bold step and ask the Lord to seek your heart, to examine your heart. And if you get angsty, um, hello, that's conviction. So if you ask the Lord to, to come into your heart and to tell you what's wrong and you get angsty, that's conviction. You know what's wrong. Repent of it and tell God you're sorry. And tell Jesus that you believe he died on the cross and rose again for you. Ask Jesus to come into your heart to make you new and commit yourself to serving him. And see what a relationship with the Lord really is. And don't do that, not because of what you can gain. Because again, if that's your motivation, you won't gain a damn thing. But if you receive Jesus truly in your heart, you become his child. And despite your flaws, your weaknesses, what's happened to you, he makes you new and he starts a new and a good work in you. And he follows it through to completion. And not only will you have access to him in your lifetime on earth, which means again, that you get to buy into his kingdom. Uh, there's another scripture I want to read to you. Let me find it. 
Matthew 16, 19. This is Jesus speaking to the disciple Peter. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he will allow what you allow. He gives you authority. He gives you the keys to heaven and then gives you authority on earth and says, whatever you allow on earth, I will allow in heaven. I'm sitting up here. I'll allow it. Whatever you bind on earth, whatever you forbid on earth, I'm sitting up here. I will forbid it. So he'll get behind you when you have that, when you're in that relationship with him. And it's important to realize that he said this to Peter. Why did he say this to Peter? Who was Peter? Well, Peter won my favorite disciple because he's both ratchet and righteous. But number two, Peter had an intimate relationship with Jesus. Um, not because he was looking to gain, not because he was looking to gain, because remember when Peter called Jesus, um, Peter met Jesus and he realized who he was and he fell on his knees sobbing in front of him and said, get away from me. I'm so unworthy. And Jesus was so loving and so inviting and gentle. And Peter received him, um, in faith, Peter received him and, and committed himself to following Jesus and to serving Jesus and to making his life about him. And then chapters, verses, whatever later, um, it, as the relationship with Jesus develops, Jesus gives Peter this authority, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And so that's what you have. That's what you have. And I am like so far off my point, <laughs> which I mean, but that was all, I mean, that's blessing me. That was all good. Um, and, and my last point was, was to do your part. So to reiterate, number one, God wants good things for you. He wants such good things for you. He, he offers you an eternal impact access to his kingdom. Number two is that you don't know what you're taking part in. So you have to train your faith because that's going to be your site. Um, and your part is big, but it's small. And number three, trust, do your part, trust and obey and do your part. That one's less, you know, um, well thought out and well-written, but I think you get my point and I hope that 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 has encouraged you. And that's a word for me. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you again to those who have listened um, and responded. Oh my God, thank you. Um, it, it means so much to me. And kind of like, you know, just personal testimony time. Like I was saying in the beginning, without God, I wouldn't be here. Um, and I, don't, I really don't know what it is I'm taking part in. I really don't. And my part's big, but it's small. And how do I know that? Uh, well, people, so the, the thing that I use to host this podcast online, um, it shows you kind of like different analytics. And one of the things it shows me is a map of where this podcast has been downloaded. And I'm from little Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in the United States. And we have reached, oh my God, we have reached people in Brussels, Belgium, Dublin, Ireland, and Frankfurt, Germany. Within the States, I mean, the majority of downloads are in and around Pittsburgh, because um, that's, you know, where my networks are. Uh, so thank you guys. Love you. Um, but, you know, Philly area, Kansas, California, 
I just, I'm just blown away. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm overwhelmingly grateful and I know I'm blessed and you're, you're, you're such a big part of that. And so thank you for being here. Um, please, 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 um, let me know. Let me know what God does. Let me know what I can be praying for, for you. I'm going to be praying for you anyways, but if there's something specific, please message me. Um, whether I've, I've just talked to you today over text or we haven't spoken in a while or you, I don't even know you, please, um, find me and message me how I can be praying for you. I am just so grateful you're here. Um, and yeah, praise God for that. And so till next time, ciao for now.